if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning or scroll to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. So good morning, everyone. If you're a visitor here or uh, watching later, welcome to Jubilee Church Teesside. We are traveling fast-ish through the book of Ephesians in our sermon series, Dunamis Dynamite, the explosive strength and potential of the church where God dwells. Uh, one of the best um, books explaining Ephesians written by a persecuted Chinese church leader called Watchman Nee, who spent his, the last 20 years of his life imprisoned in uh, Mao Zedong's grueling labor camps. And in this book, he takes three passages from this letter and calls his book, Sit, Walk and Stand. Ephesians 2, 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us, seated, sit, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, that we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. So far in chapters one to three, that's what Paul has been doing, hasn't he? He's been urging us to sit in the presence, truth, grace and abundance and bounty and sufficiency of God. It overflows, magnifying him, as Eden said, making him bigger. But today, chapter four is a turning point in this book. Now we get, if you like, the main therefore. I know I remember Chris mentioned the therefore a few weeks ago, but this is the main therefore in the letter. That tiny little Greek word, un, here is the hinge on which this book turns. One concordance puts uh, it like this, the un, therefore, that word, the Greek word, un, connects the practical charge, how we live the Christian life, with the preceding statement of doctrine and privilege, the truths and blessings of chapters one to three and establishes one upon the other. Jubilee, it's time to walk. Ephesians 4.1 says, therefore, un, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called and it's Jubilee, it's time to stand. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devils. But what brings them all together, sit, walk, stand, what brings them all together is identity. Who are we in Christ? Or as uh, Paul puts it in, this, in the chapter we've just read, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Identity. I remember Jeremy used to say, grace is not a law outside, but a power inside identity. Chapters four to six are about being who you are already. That's what we're going to be uh, doing over the next, that's what we're going to be hearing over the next few weeks. Jubilee, what's wrong with being who you are? That's what Ephesians 4 to 6 is about. Anyhow, let's read the start of Ephesians 4, 1 to 17. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk 
in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He gave some to be apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the work and um, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and, and of the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, by every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Gosh, full of truth, full of exhortation full of uh, importance. I remember after becoming a Christian, we went to various church camping events. This was very unusual to my upbringing, living under a piece of material in the rain, freezing cold, as a form of pleasure. Think about it. But hey, as a new Christian, I just followed you all. I thought that was one of the fruits of the spirit or something. Anyway, what I noticed is that so many of you were really into it. In fact, your tents were really, really posh, especially Jeremy and Anne's, sometimes like mini houses with solid poles and fridges and even toilets. So Charlotte and I decided this is where we were going wrong. So we bought one and we used it a few times. It took the whole of the space in our car boot so we didn't take anything else. We even contemplated not having any more than two children just to fit this thing in. And I remember we put it up under a mountain in the lakes one holiday and suddenly a gust of wind lifted this whole giant mini palace off the ground and away it went flying through the air across the whole of the campsite and ended up on the other side in a mangled mess. That was the end of that. And this is what Paul is warning us about in verse 14, about our Christian lives. He says he wants us to no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And so here in, so, and so here the Apostle Paul gives us Three, three safeguards to stop that from happening. So let's whiz through them this morning, shall we? Firstly, one, walk together in humble unity. 
I think one of the ways lockdown has really challenged us most, particularly our younger people, is the inability to meet up face to face. Charlotte said at our midweek younger persons group, Gen Z's, um, that we've got used to being alone. It's been 18 months self-dependent, meeting just my needs, if you like. For you younger guys, this season has been tough. But here, Paul warns all of us not to give in. He says to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul lifts us to the reality that in the church, we all need each other. We are, in fact, Christ's gifts to each other. Paul warns us not to be too proud, not to be too self-confident, not to be too independent. Don't be too busy devoting yourself to, um, don't be too busy that you can't devote yourself to fellowship with other Christians. We are in this together, aren't we? And then he says this, listen, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Jubilee, unity in the church of God depends on excellent attitudes and conduct. We need to take responsibility for that. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, I certainly have. But if you look around, you will realize that everybody is different from you. Some of you get up my noses more than others. None of you are normal like me. I'm sure the feeling's mutual, by the way. In fact, Isaiah puts it like this. Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. In Isaiah's day, sheep were considered stinky, dirty, dumb, stupid, helpless animals. I hope you're feeling encouraged. I wasn't when I read that. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus said in Mark 7, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes him, obscenities, lusts, thefts, murderers, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, drunkenness, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. So, so. The key deep theological truth that the Bible is trying to hammer home is that everybody's weird, me and you. Nobody's normal like we think we are. Yet, yet in the midst of all this weirdness, John Ortberg writes, the yearning to attach and connect, to love and be loved, is the fiercest longing of our soul. Our need for community with people and the God who made us is to the human spirit what food and air and water are to the human body. That need will not go away in the face of all our weirdness. And there lies the dilemma, doesn't it, Jubilee? That God has called us and equipped us to work out together. That's the deal. There's no room for pride and arrogance and judgmentalism in the church of God. As Chris said a few weeks ago, we're family. Jubilee, God is calling us to make every effort to walk together in humble humility. Your togetherness in the face of difference is a light to the world that God is real and making the impossible possible. 
as Mushtaba said the other day, show them, be who you are. So secondly, number two, our second safeguard against being blown away is to walk in humble submission to church leadership. Now, I, we don't like, uh, we, I know we don't like submission, do we? I know that. But this picture of us being the body and Jesus being the head doesn't work very well if we all want to be feet or eyes or mouths. We are all different parts of the body and we need to recognize each other as so. This interdependence on each other makes us more mature, strong, united, effective. In Jubilee and in our New Frontiers church family in the UK and abroad and in our local church uh, leaders on Teesside, we have gifted men and women who speak into us. Apostles who lay foundations of gospel truth for the church and keep pushing us forwards to take new ground in fulfillment of Jesus' promises. It's a spirit thing. It's supernatural. They are Jesus' encouragement to us. Building is hard work. Our master builders, our apostolic brothers and sisters, help us. Jesus also appointed prophets. In uh, Richard Adams' storybook, Watership Down, we share in the adventure of a small band of rabbits as they leave their threatened field in search of a new and safer warren. In the book, we're introduced to the courageous leader, Hazel, the brave warrior, Bigwig, to Strawberry, Buckthorn and the rest. But there's one rabbit that stands out, probably the most interesting character of all, Fiverr. You see, <clears throat> you see, Fiverr is different. He's more sensitive than other rabbits. He seems to be almost on constant alert. His body tense, his whiskers trembling, his ears pricked, his eyes staring, his nose sniffing the air. He seems perpetually on the watch. You see, it's Fiverr who sees what others don't see, who senses danger and warns others of it. He smells the breath of hope wafted from afar. He exhausts he exhorts and cajoles his fellow rabbits in order to stir them into action. You see, in a way, Fiverr is the prophet of the group. He convinces the other rabbits that change is necessary for survival. He forces them to make decisions they wouldn't ordinarily want to make. He opens them up to the possibilities they cannot see at first and frees them from the paralysis of well-tried habit. By following his advice, they are saved. Philip Greensled, Bible teacher, vividly puts it like this. The prophet stops the church marrying the spirit of the age, knowing she'll be widowed in the next. We need to humbly submit to our prophets, even if they're a bit quirky. Then there are evangelists are intense evangelists who equip us for works of service as gospel witnesses. Notice it's us, you and me, who are doing the evangelism. They equip, prepare us, ready us, train us to get on with it. Again, a gift from the Spirit. Through these godly men and women, we have ramped up our alpha strategy. Make friends, try alpha. 
I've started gathering with the Christ Central UK team recently, and right now they are stirring us to think about how our social encounter, social action encounters like Open Door and the Hope Foundation cross over into gospel witnessing and alpha invites. We are all part of this. Then we have pastor teachers, which the Greek describes as one gift together, actually, not two separate ones. These joining, the joining of these two parts of this one gift stops us descending into just tea and sympathy or a purely academic Bible exercise. This is how Phil Moore phrases it. Paul tells us that true shepherds of God's flock feed his sheep on the scriptures, helping them to feast on the answers which the word of God gives to all issues in their lives. In the church, everyone is a gift to us all. So be who you are and give yourself to others. One, we need to walk in humble unity. Two, we need to walk in humble submission. And finally, three, we need to build each other up together in love. How do we make all this work? Well, the Apostle Paul says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Terry Virgo, the father of New Frontiers, writes, Love is the key word in this passage. The high goals anticipated for the body of Christ can only be accomplished by a walk of love. This is the very nature of our God, the essence of who we are. Before anything else was around, our God loved because that's who he is. Before the foundation of the earth, before the sky, before the earth, before McDonald's, before conflicts, and certainly before us lot. God so loved and we were created in his very same image the image of God that's what the Bible tells us we were created to love one another and God like God does if you're not a Christian here this morning or watching later this is the thing that should captivate you above all else Jesus loves you let me take you there for a moment in a cow shed in the Middle East over 2,000 years ago, in the first Christ, on the first Christmas day, we see God's love in action. God breaking through the heavens to become a helpless, dependent baby. Emmanuel, God with us, we sing out. And then this Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, facing temptations of all kinds, misunderstanding, bereavement and rejection. Remember, this is God that we're talking about on earth. He came to bring beauty out of the mess, as we've just heard, behind the paint spilt miserable garages, if you like. And then 33 years later, on a cross, on a rubbish dump somewhere outside Jerusalem, we see this boy, now a man. We see him a love like we see in him a love like no other he hangs there virtually unrecognizable welts on his face ripped flesh on his chest and back he hangs there with dark clouds above the crowds are not cheering him on anymore instead they're yelling crucify him his closest friends have abandoned, denied or betrayed him. His enemies are mocking and humiliating him. The government has stripped 
tortured and crucified him. And now if that wasn't enough, the wrath of God that we deserved for all of our lies and lusts and pride and envy and greed is being poured out on him, Jesus. The greatest exchange, his perfect life for yours, my rotten one. And now, as he hangs there, even worse than all of that, as if it could be any worse, he is separated from the love of his real father. A love that he had experienced non-stop, unbroken, before the very foundation of the world. Listen, that is love for you. That is love for you. Listen, if he did all that for you, will you not give your all to each other for him? If you think if you if you think they're weird, it's not convenient, it doesn't meet my needs, I'm not sure I like it. Jubilee, God is calling us to make every effort. This is so important now more than ever as we emerge. That's why, that's why it says here, doesn't it? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. God's not stupid. Why is he saying make every effort answer? Because it's not easy. It's tough. It requires a changed mind and heart. It requires a different perspective, reorientated priorities, obedience, discipline, all the things that Jesus needed to go to the cross for you and me. Jubilee, be who you are. Live out your doctrine. Sit Walk, stand, experience your faith in action. Be little Jesuses to the world and to each other. Make every effort. Walk together in humble unity. Walk together in humble submission. Build each other up together in love. Give yourselves as gifts to each other. In Christ's strength, Jubilee, you, we can and will do this. Because that's who you are now. Be all that God has made you to be. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word has power, dunamis. I thank you, Lord, that your word is explosive across the worlds we live in. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you'll fill us this morning, that you will come close to us this morning, change our minds, change our hearts, change our actions, so that we can be this one church that, um, that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about, this one church of joy, hope, and transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship Jubilee. Let's praise our amazing God.